It was almost a year ago while attending a showcase of indie video game developers here in New York City where I found myself face to face with an old personal computer. A laptop lost in a sea of more advanced technologies waiting for someone to justify its existence. Soon I realized I became the chosen one, not because I had a fetish for sticky keyboards and dusty screens, but because unknown and desaturated footage playing in a constant loop hypnotized me. I sat down, I sensory-gated my surroundings, and this interactive digital experience called After Hours sucked me in. A young woman's story stole my heart. She held my hand and didn't let go. I didn't want to leave her either, but then I sadly realized the demo was over. I was obsessed. What happened to this young woman? Who is she? What's her story? I knew I had to leave, so I did. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. MTA took me to one of the longest rides into New York City's cats. Along with me, 256 shades of grey were dancing inside my head, pushing me to discover more about After Hours. I was safe at home. The rabbit hole was waiting to be explored. I turned on my computer and my journey began. Hours flew away and suddenly the young woman appeared in front of me. I found her. I finally found the digital experience that changed the way I see the world. This is Bahia's story. My name is Bahia Khan and I'm a young woman from Johannesburg, South Africa. I've been living in Johannesburg my whole life, born and raised here. Um, and the area that I'm from, Lanasia, it's a settlement that was created by the apartheid government when they decided to um, redistribute people based on their race. So both of my parents were yanked out from the places that they were living in as children and sent to Lanasia. The downside, though, of living in Lanasia is that everybody, um, I think, to some extent, are quite affected by the legacy of apartheid and thus colonialism, so we have a lot of problems because of that. Um, and also, like, crime and drugs, uh, it's essentially a ghetto, so there's you know, all of the things that come with living in a ghetto. And that's not really the story that you often hear when you hear about people in video games. At least I haven't heard that. But that's probably just because, you know, a lot of narratives are very white and very Western and aren't really about young women of color from South Africa. 90% of the South African video game studios are owned by white men, and only 2% of the permanent employees are Indian, Black, and Asian women. If we take a closer look to International Game Developers Association's 2017 Developer Satisfaction Survey, we'll learn that 61% of 963 permanent employees from around the world were white, 18% were Asian, 
5% Latino, and only 1% Black African American or African. Yeah, uh, in terms of my early years, my whole like schooling career, I've been to public schools, which I'm really grateful for. Um, I'm also quite upset about my high school, though, because that was really bad. Um, but just in terms of like being exposed to a lot of different races and religions and cultures, that was really, really important. Um, something I didn't even think about, you know, obviously as an eight-year-old. But it was just so normal and natural. And I'm also grateful for the area that I live in um, with regards to that. When I was 16 years old, I already knew what my future was going to be. After binging every single episode of 1986 legal drama Matlock, I was sure that I was going to become an attorney. But for her, the story was completely different. At age 17, she attended career day and never thought that day she was going to discover what was going to become her path in life. So when I was 17 in grade 11, I went for this, like a careers day sort of thing at um, the universities that I was applying to. And I saw this really cute guy standing by a, um, a booth that was called game design. And I just thought like, oh, okay, I didn't know this was a career, but that's not the point. The point is I need to pretend to be interested in this to go and, you know, speak to this guy. But by the time I managed to get through, um, like, the crowd of people and cut through, he had already moved. And then I just pretended to be interested in game design. So that's how I knew it existed. And then um, I met this guy that used to be at my school um, when I went on a camp and he told me he was in his first year studying it and all of that. And then I thought like, oh, this guy, you know, a Lens boy, like, well, I mean, it's not from Lens, it's from Soweto, but it's like the same area, um, basically. And uh, he was at my school, so it kind of felt like, you know, we were the same person, came from the same economic background and he was doing it. So it just started popping up like more and more in my life. And then also there was pressure on me like for my mother to go to university and study something. And I didn't know what I wanted to study at all. Because the things that I was interested in didn't seem like stable career options. Like I just and I still want this um, to be able to like, I don't know, play bass in a band or write forever and that's that's probably something that is always going to be there and when you come from like an underprivileged community those things aren't really dreams that you allow aren't really dreams yeah that you're allowed to have just because you want a stable future you want a life better and different to the one that your parents try their best to give you so you can also you know give back to them at some point Um, yeah, then I thought like, okay, game design seems like it's a place for me where I can tell stories and it also seems kind of like sciencey. Um, I didn't know too much about it, but I thought like, 
it combined math and science and writing all those the things that I was really interested in in school so that's what made me decide to go into video games The world around us, our family and friends, the political and social climate, and especially our minds, will shape our personality, guide our life decisions, offer a sense of direction, and create meaning. We have to admit that most of the time we take for granted the things we have, which at first may seem mundane, but for others, those simple and sometimes invisible things are a remarkable improvement in their quality of life. What would you do if the basic comforts you enjoy every single day suddenly disappear? I don't have internet at home. I've never ever had it. I have internet on my phone and that's really expensive for me because I, if I ever do need to use my laptop or whatever, I have to connect my laptop to my phone's mobile hotspot. And yeah, that just costs me a lot of money. So that's something that was really difficult because like, Flip, if you're working in a digital medium, right, you need access to the internet. Um, and also just generally, like for varsity and things, it was so difficult because I'd have to go in over the weekends and stay really, really late at night just to be able to finish an assignment. Or like sometimes I'd be hotspotting one of my friend's phones like in Lanasia, um, or I'd have to drive to like, God, there was this point where I was going to different guys' homes all the time and just hanging out in their rooms and telling them like, okay, please leave me alone so I could use the internet. Um, and it was, it was very comical to me, but also like, what the fuck? It was so messed up. Just like the shit that I had to do for, um, internet, God, just to pass university. And also because I mentioned earlier that I went to a really crappy high school and that did not prepare me at all for university. Um, in some ways it did because they we were not spoon fed. So, you know, going to varsity, we were kind of self-starters in a lot of way. Or oh, I should put that on my CV about why I'm a self-starter. Um, CV, uh, I learned recently that people overseas call it a resume. I will call it a CV. Um, yeah, so those things were really difficult. And then also just like loving where I love, it's, it's very different to... Like the things that I face quite different to people that live not in my area. For instance, when I was making after hours, I was like emotionally effed all the time because of the content of the game. But then also I'd come home and find out like, oh, someone had broken into our yard. Oh, I can't go, go home my usual route because um, they're throwing rocks at cars and like burning tires and oh, they're hijacking people. Yeah. And like, it's just like constant like, like these things that you don't realize but they traumatize you sometimes it feels like irreversibly and I feel like I'm a small wild animal that has lived in a field fire um I almost said felt fire but that's just the South African word for field um you know and then some humans took me out and don't understand what I've been through and then expect me to function like all the other girls my age or all the other people I don't know um so yeah that that's really difficult like those sort of things and then also just because like I'm depressed so that ooh, that gets in the way all the time every day 
um it's very very debilitating just being disabled and having to function the same way as everyone else that in and of itself is like shit that's like really hectic i can't believe that we forced literally forced to act to behave in a way that's socially acceptable and like makes us i don't know if this is making sense but like makes us employable by people just so we can put food on our table and like buy the medication that we need and go to like the fucking dentist or something i don't know it's just it makes me so upset Throughout the years, she has continuously faced and defeated countless adversities that have shaped her as a human being and as a video game developer. She never imagined that those barriers would become the seed for one of the most groundbreaking narrative digital experiences ever created. So in terms of after hours, after hours, oh, my my baby, after hours, that's, <laughs> wow, that's, yeah, um, That game is like, it It literally changed my life. I mean, everything changes your life all the time, right? That you interact with, um, whether you like consciously realize it or not. But when I started out making that game, I just, yeah, I was like 21, 22. Um, and it was there was a lot of like difficult things happening it feels like there's always fucking difficult things happening for me um and just in the world generally uh but uh someone that i knew very well had told me that when she was married to her um ex-husband that he raped her um and that was uh, quite an a world shattering thing to hear but Also, it wasn't the first time I'd heard something like that, but it never gets easier. I don't, I, I'm never like desensitized, even though it's like, of course he'd do this, he's a disgusting man, you know. It still doesn't make it like more palatable or something because men are trash. So, you know, it's not like, yeah, I'm not saying, I don't mean to make it seem like I'm, it's an excuse because men are trash, they'd, be, they'd behave like that because they shouldn't. But anyway, um, there was also a rise in the in an increase in the rise of um, violence against women and children in South Africa, and we have one of the highest rape statistics. It's making me sick because if I look at how long I've been recording for, it means three, six, nine, twelve. There's already four reported cases of rape happening in the past twelve minutes, and that's yeah, only reported rape. Um. And a lot of people don't even realize that they're being raped because they're not told that their bodies are their own, you know. And unfortunately, that's how it is in a lot of parts of the world. But things like this are the reason why I set out to make After Hours. And it's like, it's really awful because every woman that I know has been sexually harassed or abused and it's like it's I don't even know how to say it was just that it's absolutely awful it should never happen again and anyone that does it should burn in hell um and that I'm so incredibly sorry to every person who has had to go through 
that um, on the receiving end of it. But anyway, um, so I made this game for my honors year at university and it was a game that I only believed in from the beginning to the end because, and I understand where my lecturers were coming from, but they felt like I overscoped because no one had made an FMV game before at fast at my university and I didn't know how to program it at all but I knew I had to do it the way it was in my head I couldn't settle for making it entwine or for making it any less or for having it a purely animated game I couldn't at all and I'm so glad that I'm stubborn sometimes because it I don't know that was I even stubborn I just knew it had to be made like this I knew it had to be um and And then I made that game about a young woman that was sexually abused as a child and suffers from borderline personality disorder as a result of that. And I just wanted to show, sorry, my voice sounds like a 14-year-old boy going through puberty because it's so shaky, it's just because I'm so emotional and, like I mentioned, struggling to breathe under these thick blankets. Um, uh... Yeah, I made the game because I wanted people like me to feel less alone and people like the women I knew to feel less alone and women all over the world. Um, I have borderline personality disorder uh, and it sucks. It's the worst thing for me and it's I, I hate it so, so much. But I just wanted to show a little bit about what it's like living with it you know how you have such an unstable sense of self sometimes um and how you can go through so many different emotions and how you you don't I don't know how it feels for everybody else um this is obviously my experience with it but like I often feel like super villainized because of the way um people with borderline are portrayed in the media and in like that demonic dsm whatever bullshit that psychology book i just wanted to show us as people people who listen to the front bottoms who listen to indie music and pop punk music and read a lot and watch skins and have toys in their room you know and t-shirts oh god oh god i don't know why i said that think of us as people who have t-shirts uh borderline personality disorder yeah 2019 um but just like normal you know so that's why i made the game and then it did things i couldn't imagine it would do um it won lots of awards it made me really happy um it also made me really sad and made felt like my life was ruined because of it for so long um but I love it so much and I remember thinking how much I regretted making the game and I did regret it at the time so many times um I don't regret making it now but that's because I've had you know a time away from it um but my feelings of regretting it was very valid when I did and that's after hours it's it's my favorite game in the whole world I'm so proud of it 
I love her. But that's obviously, you know, my baby girl, that game. Wish I could I wish I could give her a hug. I guess I could just hug myself. Um, not that after hours is based on my life or anything, but just because it's like me that went into making it. After Hours is a video game that relies upon pre-recorded video footage to display action throughout the whole experience. Bahia's creation will immerse you into the life of Lilith Gray, a young woman who was molested as a child and suffers from borderline personality disorder as a result. But Bahia not only wanted to show the correlation between BPD and child abuse, but also she wanted to create awareness on how we, as a society, should not stigmatize people who suffer from mental illnesses. I'd like to learn how to make video games. Um, I feel like I honestly didn't really learn much at, in my degree in terms of making games. So I'd like to learn how to animate, um, maybe draw because I'm like fucking the worst at drawing. I would, um, I think I, I would definitely still like to be in a band and just... I don't think I'd like to be the lead singer because I can't like spin around, spin kick while like during the whole show. I don't know. Um, I think bassist or like lead guitarist is is good. Um, and just have like poetry published and make all the games that are in my head. I'd like to make all of them and. Uh, is this like career goals? Okay, I'm just going to pretend it's career goals because yo, there's so many goals, you know, goals. Um, um, I think that's all for now. Oh, shit, we'll probably get employed. That's very important. Um, yeah, I get a job. You should do it and make sure that you're doing it for you, I think, first and foremost. I don't know. It depends, like, what your intention is um, with regards to making video games. But if you if you just want to make, like, good stories for, you know, those those people, you know your people, like your audience and things like that, you should absolutely do it because it's super rewarding. And even if it doesn't get to be played by as many people as you would like it to be played by. I mean, you get to play it. You're creating something that you wish existed, right? And that's already so, so cool and incredible and amazing. So do that. All right. And the winner of the IGF award for best student game is After Hours. This is my love letter to Bahia and her work. My love letter to you. To make you stop for a second, be grateful for the people in your life, 
and for the things you have. If you ever feel that you're running out of ideas, that you don't have the proper tools, equipment, or knowledge, or you are just losing faith in you, remember Bahia's story and you'll see that no matter how difficult things may look like, you can achieve anything you want in life. And remember, do the best you can, any way you know how, with whatever you have, and never let anything or anybody stop you.